It is Tuesday, November the 7th, 2017, and this is the New Bereans Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about some of the most misquoted and misused scriptures in the Bible. Now, some people would say, what are you talking about? But in the church and knees that we like to speak, most people, um, with the rise of biblical illiteracy in the church, uh, take these passages and they like to make them apply to whatever situation that fits the need at the moment. That's called a proof text. Pulling a verse here and a verse there out of the scripture and making it fit your own personal circumstance or somebody else's circumstance. But, as good Bereans, I want to take a look at the scriptures and do what is right with them, which is place them in their appropriate context. That every scripture has a historical, a geographical, a language, a cultural context in which it was written for the intended listener at that moment that was put together so that we would have both a history, prophecy, and a proclamation of the gospel message. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through about five different passages and we're going to talk about how is it misused and what is the original context and what does the original meaning mean and how does that really apply to us right now. So it's going to be a good time. Sit back. We're going to have some fun. Are you going through a really difficult challenge? Are you about to go and get a new job? Are you about to go into business for yourself and you're going to have to achieve? Or are you an athlete that is about to go out on the field? Well, if you're having a tough time, don't worry about it because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You see, one of the biggest misquoted verses in the scripture comes out of Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and it's a really good verse if you want to use it in that context because it gives you hope that you know while I'm going through a tough time Christ is right there with me and while that is true it absolutely has nothing to do with this passage your success your achievement your hard struggle to uh, take the next step up the ladder. It has nothing to do with this verse. Now, if you were in jail because you were preaching the gospel, if you were in prison and in chains, if you had lost everything that you had, then yes, this verse would absolutely apply to you because that's what Paul was going through as he was writing this passage. He was talking to the Philippian church about his struggles, about what he's had to go through, about his hunger, and about his nakedness and about his chains and then after he goes through those things he knows that he is still content in what he has and where he is at because it has been done for the purpose of the Lord his chains are about Christ so he's satisfied with that the appropriate Greek definition of I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me is actually I can endure all things with Christ who strengthens me 
So no matter what you are experiencing, if you are experiencing pain and persecution due to the gospel message, then you can endure all things. You can endure death. You can endure hunger and nakedness and beatings because Christ is there with you during your beatings. Now that doesn't mean that Christ isn't there during your success and during your struggles and during your trying to climb the ladder. But don't use this verse in that inappropriate context because it makes you feel good. It has to do with the gospel presentation and endurance of suffering because of that. Now we're going to get into miscontextualization that really is drawing people away from the gospel of Christ. And that is the word of faith movement. The health and wealth prosperity message. Now you can cut on your TV anytime to one of the TBNs or Daystar or one of these other channels. And you can hear the likes of Kenneth Copeland, Jesse Duplantis, Ben Hinn. Joel Osteen talking about prosperity and one of the verses that they love to misquote is out of Jeremiah 29 and 11 for I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord God plans to prosper you and not to harm you to give you a future and a hope now that sounds wonderful that sounds so much like a blessing that God is wanting to give to us, that He wants to prosper us, that He wants to give us a future and a hope. And while it is true that God has a future plan for us, and He knows the plans He has for us, to use this verse out of context, particularly in a means that you are telling people that God wants to give them cash, but they need to sow a seed promise into your ministry so you can buy six or seven uh, Cessna citations or live in a 30,000 square foot parsonage and talk about how wealthy you are and how wealthy everybody's supposed to be is just heresy and it is false teaching that is drawing people away from the Christ because their hope is being put in the promise of prosperity but in actuality the context of Jeremiah 29 has nothing to do with money it has nothing to do with the hope of all of us. It has nothing to do with our future, but it is written to the people of Israel. It was given to the people of Israel when back in 597 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon comes in and abducts and takes about 10,000 of the country's most prominent residents and puts them into bondage in Babylon. And Jeremiah, the whole book of Jeremiah, is a, lamb, a lamenting of the destruction of, his, of Jerusalem and the destruction of his people and the, the captivity that they're being brought into, that they wouldn't listen to their God. They wouldn't listen to the sound teachings of the, of the prophets. And they chose to go after their own ways, and they were judged by being put into bondage. So the hope that is there is for the people of Israel that God has a plan for them, that He will not harm them, but He wants to prosper them and give them a hope of a future. And we'll receive that. 
Look at the formation of the nation of Israel and the gathering together of all the Jews in 1948. And then if you look through the book of Revelation, it is about the nation of Israel after the first three chapters. It is about their tribulation. It is about their coming to know the Messiah. And it is about their future reign with God. Now, we have a future reign as well. But during that millennial period, the people of Israel have that opportunity. So they have a great future and a great hope. And any of these charlatans that are out there pouring out this horrible message that God's got a plan to prosper us always comes with a price. And that price is to make a seed pledge, a faith promise. And it doesn't matter if you're broke as everything because if you'll still make a pledge of $1,000 with your welfare checks, then God will still give you tenfold back and it is disgusting and it is a shame that people of biblical want and need and desire are being led down a path that will lead to destruction because of a misquoting of one of God's promises to his people. wanted a Jeep, either a Wrangler or a YJ or a CJ, but I still have not gotten it. I'm driving a Nissan Cube right now. Many people have said that we're part of the health and wealth churches that I used to know. Well, you should be praying for that because God wants to give you a Jeep. And then they would lay hands and say, oh, Lord, we want you to give Tony this Jeep. You know, I even tried to bargain with God one time and, and let him know that he needs an urban city minister. I need a Jeep. So what, if he gives me the Jeep, I'll make it an urban city uh, ministry vehicle. Well, I, that never worked. And part of the issue, and it was, the idea behind the health and wealth and the prosperity message is that ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and it shall be opened unto you which is out of Luke 11 verse 9 but when we begin to look at that passage that's just one verse plucked out of the air and completely out of context with what the original intent of that passage is it doesn't take much of a genius or much of a biblical scholar or much of a theologian to be able to see when you look at that passage that it has to do with prayer well, that's what we're doing. We're praying to God. We're going to ask Him for all this stuff. Well, that's not the intent of that passage. If you look up at the beginning of the passage, which is only eight verses up, you begin to see that Jesus is praying. The disciples come to Him, and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And so what does He do? He gives them the Lord's Prayer. He says, pray in this manner. And then he goes into, we lift up the name of God, we ask for his kingdom, we ask for his will, we ask for um, our daily sustenance, we ask to be forgiven, we ask to be not led into temptation. Nowhere in there are the personal desires that we have in our hearts. And many Christians will hit their knees day and night 
and beg God for this and for that. And they will believe that what they need to do is seek. And they'll find it. They need to ask because it'll be given to us. Jesus then goes on to talk about a friend who has need. Would you withhold it from him? And the uh, prosperity preachers are like, yeah, see, God's not going to withhold everything, Tony. He owns all the Jeeps. But that has nothing to do with that. The intent of our hearts and what Jesus is trying to teach them is, if you really want to be strong in prayer, these are the type of things you're praying for. You're praying for salvation. You're praying for forgiveness. You're praying for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means he rules the whole thing. And he rules you in the, in the process. That we're seeking to be led out of temptation. That we're seeking not our wants, but the things that we need so that we may survive our daily bread. It's not about asking for anything. We can ask for stuff all day long and end up getting just ticked off at God because he didn't give it to us. Because like a good parent, like a good father, he knows there are things that we want that we just don't need. But the things that we need, he made it laid out very clear in the words of the Lord's Prayer. next passage that we're going to look at is Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20 where Jesus says where two or more are gathered there I am in the midst of them now most of the time this passage is just taken out of context to be an excuse it's an excuse for not going to church it's an excuse for not participating in the fellowship of a local church because where two or, pe two or more people are gathered Jesus is with us many times just from non-believers that say that that are just church goers other times it's for people that just don't like going to church. So where him and his wife are together, then Jesus is with them. Even though they're doing nothing to worship, they're doing nothing to fellowship, they're doing nothing to serve. They are just watching Kenneth Copeland on TV. The intent of that passage, the context of Matthew chapter 18 is church discipline, which is an ugly, ugly thing to be engaged in. And Jesus lays out a methodology this is one methodology I like because it came from my Lord who says that when a brother sins against you go to him talk to him if he does not repent go and get two or three more people where a testimony can be formed if he won't repent there then take him for the church and if he doesn't repent there then treat him as a tax collector which means expulsion which is ugly I had to do that once it was horrible but all the way through that passage what Jesus is talking about is restoration 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 if he repents you've won a brother that's the whole idea that's the heart of church discipline is to bring a person to repentance so that they can see that they are wrong before God we see church discipline in Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira when they withheld the money and lied about it and God struck Ananias dead and it created great fear amongst the unrepentant 
So Jesus is pretty serious about this idea of, of discipline. But when we take that verse out of its appropriate context, when we move it from its original intent, it becomes a proof text. And it's a proof text that 99, I'm, I'm going to guess 99.99% of the time, is an excuse and not something that is biblical. So we must be cautious in how we use that verse. Remember, it is about the discipline in the church. It is about the plan and the process. And the idea is that when we have the heart of restoration with a brother that is unrepentant, where two or three are gathered in that, Jesus is in the midst of us. The last passage that we're going to talk about in this podcast is everybody's favorite verse. At least I judge it that way because I hear it said more than any other verse in Scripture. It's not John 3.16. It's Matthew 7.1. Judge not, lest you be judged by the same measure. Now, on a side note, I used to have a little bit of fun when I worked at the mission. Getting an opportunity to share the gospel with people. These guys would come in and they would have tattooed across their chest or it would be all over their neck or it would be down their arm. And it would be, only God can judge me. And I would be able to say, hey, that's a nice tattoo. Yeah, that's cool, man. And then I would say, you know what's going to happen, right? What? Well, he's going to judge us. Are you prepared? And then I could go into sharing the gospel with them. I mean, the truth behind the gospel. And that's just a side note. But like I said, I hear this passage spoken more than anything. Typically... I hear it spoken by people outside of the church, and they don't want anybody to call them out. You know, and you hear a lot about it in um, people in sexual morality or something like that. They want to, you know, you can't judge me, you can't judge me, man. And in a bit of truth, they're right about that. We're not called to judge the lost. The judge is going to be God, and the lost are going to act like the lost. They're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to act like they're in full rebellion against the Holy God. And their actions are going to show it 100%. But the reality is, is that this verse is for us. It's for the believer. And it is that we are not to go to somebody that is living in sin or acting in a sin, if they're a brother or sister, and us have a problem in our own lives. See, the rest of the verse is that why do you go to a brother who has a speck in his eye when you have a log in yours? First, remove the log from your eye. Then you can go and judge a brother. See, that's very interesting because we want to judge the outside world. The church, you know, we've got all these groups. We don't like the homosexuals. We don't like this. We don't like that. And we'll put judgments upon them. But when it comes to inside the church, we don't talk to each other about that stuff. Or if we do, it's in gossip or it's hidden behind a prayer request or something like that. Uh, and, and then people in the church who are hiding in sin will say, Well, you can't judge me. Well, contraire, mon frere. The scripture teaches us that if we are clean, if we have dealt with our issue, if we are not living in that same sin, then we can go and we can call it out. I call it fruit inspection because if you're not seeing the fruits of regeneration in a person's life, the fruit of the Spirit then we have the right to say it. 
did you really believe? You said at one time you believed, but look at this. You're living like you do, you live outside the church, like you're not part of the body of Christ. So when we start throwing around, you can't judge me, typically that is uh, a good key indicator that somebody's got something going on they don't want anybody else to know about. Or if you've called them out, you know, you don't have the right. You're a hypocrite. Well, if you are not taking care of your business and you're calling somebody else out, you are a hypocrite. So if you want to stop being a hypocrite, deal with your own junk. Remove the log from your eye. Then go talk to your brother. And we can see this verse quit being used out of context so much. just some closing thoughts you know it's so important that we use the Bible in its appropriate intended context um, who is it being spoken to why was it being said at that moment what is the overall passage about uh, I heard Patrick Morley one time the man that wrote the man in the mirror he said that there are two gods there's the God I want and there's the God that is and typically when we're pulling things out of Scripture we're underlining the verses that we love and we're blacking out the ones that we don't like. So we use God and His Word in inappropriate ways. And anything that's taken out of its context is a proof text. And be cautious as you're listening to your preachers. Be cautious as you're listening to people who proclaim to know the Word. If they're using passages out of context, they need to go back and study some more. And if you have that clear in your eyes, remember, you can judge them on that. You can call them out on that. But that's the end of, the, of this podcast. We are preparing some great things with the new Bereans. I'm working on a Twitter feed right now. It's Bereans is our Twitter handle. I'm working on getting our Facebook page set up. That is the new Bereans or at the new Bereans and working on a website. I hope to get a video YouTube page started up soon that we can continue to share teaching. We can have deeper Bible studies than our little five minute segments that we're allowed through this media form. Uh, but hey, I'm so appreciative to have you be a part of this with us. If you are enjoying what you're hearing, if you don't like it, if you've got some comments or questions or anything else, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us. Leave a call in. Give us some claps. Let us know that you're uh, out there and you're listening. And if you um, just need prayer requests, we're more than happy to help out. We don't mind a little light debate as long as it's scriptural and we can maintain civility through it. And I really look forward to seeing everybody very soon.